dollars of Chinese government money. Um, and the orange line is with the first of three lines that's currently under construction. Because it passes through several key sites in central Lahore, from Anarkali to Shalimar Gardens, the scheme has attracted controversy not simply for the forced evictions that its construction will require, but also for an idea that the completed metro will spoil the scenic vistas of old Lahore, that it will compromise and therefore condemn, quote, the entire cultural landscape of Lahore, which is of national significance for the history and cultural heritage of Pakistan. Calls to protect and preserve Lahore's unique built environment have been buttressed on social media sites with dystopic visions of possible futures. So we have Chaburji, the famous Mughal gateway, and here it is with the orange metro line in place. Um, similarly, a vision of Shalimar Gardens with the metro running behind. Um, but rather than focusing on this particular debate, which is ongoing, um, I want to speak more broadly about the problematic it names, this thing called heritage, and the call to responsibility that is implicit within this notion, the call for the living to protect what they have inherited from the past. Heritage is, of course, a global concept, not only in the sense that it is deployed in national settings worldwide, but also that ideas of heritage are articulated and institutionalized um, on a global level, tied to visions of common humanity, the most obvious example being UNESCO um, and the Register of World Heritage Sites. But today I want to think about the Pakistani career of this global concept as a way of raising some questions about a possible agenda for Pakistani intellectual history. And I want to argue in particular that engagements with the problem of inheritance, of which debates over heritage form an important part, have been particularly productive in Pakistan's intellectual and political life, and that this requires us to be attentive to questions of historicity, which I will return to in a moment. But the organizing nexus is that between heritage and architecture. And here I mean architecture as physical objects, as professional practice, but also as a metaphor for thought. Architecture, as we see in these photos, is often a direct object of heritage policy, protected by special legislation, preserved against ruination or threat. Architects similarly are also involved in restoration projects and planning that takes place around heritage sites. But I also want to think more critically about architecture as metaphor, one that can describe a particular way of thinking about our relationship to the past. And here I find it useful to draw upon what the Japanese literary critic Kojin Karatani calls um, the will to architecture, characterizing Western thought, since Plato at least, that is the desire for foundation, for a stable edifice, which in Karatani's perspective functions as a way to ground otherwise unstable philosophical systems. And this conception, of course, returns to the Greek roots of architecture, arche as origin, tekton as craftsman. And the compulsion to heritage is one means by which communities grapple with Pakistan's peculiar relationship to history, or in an attempt to resist, if we follow Fezal's provocation from Muslim Zion, the country's status as a people without history. But in a gesture that is important to the practice of global intellectual history more generally, as Shruti Kapila has argued, I also want to think about how the Pakistani context reconfigures and redefines the notion of heritage itself, giving us new ways to think about this category and its horizons. So I'll proceed in two parts. First, I want to briefly substantiate this suggestion about how the problem of inheritance is politically and intellectually produ um, productive in Pakistan. And second, describe two ways that this unsettled inheritance, this uncertain historicity, is negotiated in the present. First, through an embrace, uh, through an embrace of architecture in the practice of Yasmin Lari, and second, through a rejection of the will to architecture in the practice of street theater. So when I refer to Pakistan's peculiar historicity, I'm thinking along the lines, as mentioned, of what Faisal has called Pakistan's radical and unprecedented beginning, 
and specifically the manner in which history was conceived by early Muslim nationalist leaders. As many of you will recall from Muslim Zion, if the new Indian state relied on a language of historical continuity, Pakistan's national narrative, its potential for unity, was found in the rejection of the past, an elimination of inheritance. Thus, Jinnah's invocation of new world models, his frequent, frequent calls to forget or bury the past, the need to depart from a history of fragmentation, dispersal, and linguistic or ethnic division within British India. If this anti-historical thinking was characteristic of early Muslim <coughs> nationalists, it has had an ambivalent legacy in the post-colonial state. A continued desire to forget or bury the past might be seen in the radical urban development projects of the 1950s and 60s, such as the initiatives that Marcus Daschle has traced in his new book on Islamabad. But there was also an early impulse to identify and indeed catalog that which this new republic had inherited from the past to consolidate its relationship to history. And the obduracy of the built environment was an important prompt here, the simple facts of being left with a rich archaeological record. These sites and ruins were tamed into a new national space, often with the support of colonial-era archaeologists, such that someone like Sir Mortimer Wheeler can celebrate three years after the country's birth, 5,000 years of Pakistan. But there was additionally an argument to recognize the mobile, portable heritage brought into the Pakistani state by the new conglomeration of peoples after 1947. In a 1955 volume on the cultural heritage of Pakistan, S.M. Ikram observes that, quote, the cream of Muslim society in Delhi, Lucknow, Patna, Hyderabad, and Calcutta is now to be found in Karachi, Lahore, Chittagong, and Dhaka. The descendants and the heirs of those who enriched the cultural and artistic life of Muslim India are today in Pakistan. The cultural heritage of Pakistan cannot, therefore, be limited to what flowered within its geographical boundaries and has to contain within its scope all that was noble and beautiful in Muslim India. The various attempts to identify and affirm Pakistan's inheritance as heritage can be thought usefully through the concept of historicity. And by historicity, I refer to the relationship that individuals and collectives established to the past, given their present condition and their intimations of the future. So this is about perceptions and experiences rather than factuality. Um, and indeed, there is a rich and growing ethnographic literature around um, historicity, detailed studies of the varying ways people make sense of the past. And these can be involve highly localized commemoration process, practices, personal experiences such as dreaming, um, or encounters with technology, the questions of what effect that video games have on historical consciousness. Heritage is only one type of historicity, one way of naming <coughs> the value of the past in a given present. It is also typically architectonic in form, not only because it is invested in stabilizing, not only because it is interested in stabilizing, solidifying, preserving, protecting, but also because these actions are necessarily pursued through institutions. Heritage requires consensus. People need to recognize and agree upon value. This is true of formations of heritage across the world, but the will to architecture is particularly explicit in Pakistan. Because, following Karatani, the desire to construct a stable edifice, prompted by crisis, does not ultimately achieve a foundation, but continually reveals the absence, the very absence of its foundation. And I think this is an apt metaphor for the troubled life of pu public history in Pakistan. But the tension between a desire for foundation and a radically uncertain inheritance has, I want to suggest, been intellectually productive in Pakistan, such that formations of historicity should be a central consideration of intellectual history in this context. <coughs> So there are about perhaps three ways to think about the function of heritage in Pakistan and the edifice it seeks to erect. First is the role in conjuring a past, filling a lack, part of the officially concocted national soporifics that Ayesha Dalal has discussed, 
and indeed heritage is often described in terms of national integration linked to a state policy via the Ministry of Culture. Second, heritage can be a way to mediate rupture, pointing to continuities, our heritage and Islamic architecture. And this is often be, can be linked to local sentiment and local, local tourist economies. Recall it was Lahore's heritage being strangled earlier rather than Pakistan's. And third, an idea of heritage can manifest as an alternative or counter history deployed to undermine official narratives, to point to contradictions or absences in buttress and oppositional stance. Uh, my previous research in Lahore has been interested in this third option, whether through calls for the shuttered and abandoned Bradlaugh Hall, once a center of anti-colonial activity in the city, to be restored and preserved as a museum for the shared struggle of Muslims, Hindus, and Sikhs in the independent struggle, or calls to revive the Pak Tea House, iconic location of the center of critical thought following its closure in the 2000s. And I think it's important to think about how the argument for the integration of these alternative stories into a consensual notion of heritage and agreement as to what is valuable and worth protecting um, may be politically productive, but also carries risks. You can consider how the polemical potential of these spaces can be eradicated by their institutionalization. And this is clear with the Pak Tea House, which was reopened in 2014, not by any popular movement of occupation or reclamation, but on the initiative of Nawaz Sharif, his official involvement noted on a plaque inside the door not far from framed images of luminaries from the progressive writers' movement. And indeed, newspaper editorials published at the time appreciated the revival, but warned against risks of official patronage, urging writers to, quote, re-establish the Pak Tea House as a place for the free exchange of ideas. Articulations of heritage in Pakistan have had an interesting relationship to runes. The art historian Salim Awarich has argued that in runes, that runes in themselves have proved productive to narratives of Pakistani nationalism, um, based on an idea that Pakistan's cultural identity was not initially built on the glory of the Mughal area, but instead around an identity of victimization and the necessity of refuge, properly evidenced by the looting or destruction of Mughal monuments under Sikh and British rule. And in this sense, ruins were not to be restored, but rather preserved. And Warich gives the example of a Lahore fort archaeologist choosing to partially preserve a Sikh overlay on a Mughal period wall to, to illustrate the disregard that Sikhs had for Mughal architecture. Whatever the official rhetoric around heritage, the general popular sentiment associated with the concept in recent years appears to be one of frustration. Frustration with the failure to prevent the decay of historic sites and important archaeological remnants, and not simply through neglect but also <coughs> through willful denigration, exemplified in projects of development and urban expansion, of which the Lahore Metro is only one example. Editorial laments in newspapers do not focus solely on the government, however, and here I want to suggest that debates over heritage can reveal uh, particular constructions of the people as entity in contemporary Pakistan. Routinely, the population is framed by intellectuals, architects, and heritage officials as indifferent to their inheritance um, in the built environment and cultural traditions. They are construed at times as disrespectful, or at least not properly attentive, such that the failure to protect heritage is as much a failure of individual responsibility as much of state funding. And this is the paternalistic nature of heritage at its best, where the people must be taught to appreciate their history. This viewpoint is, however, based on one specific understanding of historicity and can eradicate the varieties of historical experience that are evident across the social and geographical spectrum of Pakistan, the variant ways of knowing or understanding one's relationship to the past. And I want to suggest that some of the most interesting and novel articulations of heritage and its possibilities in Pakistan emphasize in particular a dialogic and participatory dimension with regard to local and popular contexts. And I'll close now by discussing two ways of articulating a responsibility to the past and its importance for the present. 
one that engages directly with architecture as practice, and the other which evades the architectonic, dispensing with the necessity of foundation. So just to begin by discussing the more recent work of Yasmin Lari, um, who is one of Pakistan's preeminent architects, and specifically her involvement in the Heritage Foundation of Pakistan. Lari trained here in Oxford at Oxford Brooks in the 1960s, and began a career in Pakistan that combined work in social housing with client work for the corporate, state, and military sector. Perhaps her best-known work is the headquarters of the Pakistan State Oil Company in Karachi, completed in 1991 in an appropriately uh, capitalist realist aesthetic. Lari founded the Heritage Foundation of Pakistan in 1980 with her husband, the historian Suhail Zahir Lari, and describes it retrospectively as part of her process of unlearning as an architect who was educated in the West. This disavowal of mastery will be important. The mission of the foundation was and remains part documentary, i.e. to document and conserve the traditional and historic built environment of Pakistan, part consciousness raising to create an awareness of Pakistan's rich and diverse historic architecture and art, and finally part activist to promote cultural heritage for social integration, peace and development. Lahari's early work on heritage was sanctioned by the state and indeed promoted by General Zia in the 1980s, who praised her attempts to weave, quote, the rich variety of Islamic traditions into the diverse modern architectural forms. Restoration efforts in Sindh, such as Intata or Makli, the largest necropolis in the world, um, were often supported by corporate bodies, such as the state oil company or indeed the Pakistani government's export promotion board. And I don't want to focus on this history of entanglement with state and corporate interests aside from feeling the need to signal it, um, I am more interested to explore her recent emphasis on participatory methods and a dialogic relationship not only with the people but also with the past itself. In the 1980s, Lari was already denouncing what she called a lack of knowledge of indigenous technologies among Pakistani architects, lamenting what she called instant vernacular and embracing instead a Jane Jacobs-esque vision of living cities. But it is only since the 2005 earthquake in northern Pakistan that she has been able to articulate a distinct form of architectural practice labeled variously as building a traditional future or seeking a future in the past. This conception of the past as a way to intervene and indeed mediate the problems of the present fosters a distinct notion of heritage as practice, propelling the documentation of traditional techniques and vernacular methodologies for building and overseeing their dissemination through building projects in post-disaster communities. After the 2010 floods, for instance, Heritage Foundation-led reconstruction programs included as their guiding principle the use of heritage and tradition um, for involvement of communities and for fostering pride and self-confidence. Rebuilding efforts included detailed surveys of indigenous technologies, but also drew on what are called the indigenous technologies, but also drew on Lowry's long career working in archaeological sites. Um, the use of lime to build resilient waterproof foundations, um, for instance, was informed by conservation work that she had completed um, at the 14th century necropolis at Makli. So there's an interesting convergence here between a sense of responsibility to the past, the language of development, and an understanding of the dynamic potential of the people as carriers of history, an idea that the architect can only erect an edifice in dialogue, in context, without a privileged sense of mastery. Heritage becomes a way to recognize the unfolding potential of the past, to reconfigure it in the present. It remains architectonic in form, of course, if only in its continued focus on making or building. But my final example um, is a practice that articulates a relationship with the past in non-foundational terms, evading this, um, what I've described as a will to architecture, and articulating a transient, unstable notion of heritage. This is the practice of street theater, 
which comes out of a tangled um, tradition in Pakistan, drawing equally from South Asian traditions of traveling singers and poets, as much from Ajitprop elements from the Marxist tradition. Through formations of, the formations of what is often called people's theater existed in places like Lahore before partition. It was not until the 1980s that the practice was revived in Pakistan <coughs> as an oppositional and anti-elitist mode of animating history in public space. Certainly not all street theater is concerned with the past, but in Pakistan performances are deeply intertwined with notions of cultural heritage and the vitality of vernacular languages. Indeed, this interest to channel folk forms of storytelling and engage poetic traditions has made certain theater, theater troops vulnerable to institutionalization by official heritage bodies. One of the most prominent groups of the 1980s, Ajoka, which was founded in opposition to Zia and associated closely with the Pakistani women's movement, has arguably been incorporated in these terms, functioning today as a widely respected proscenium theater group. But the interruptive, agitational potential of street theater remains, remains offering a non-monumentalizing and mobile means of connecting the past to politics and the present. Performances can take place on street corners or outside places of work, interrupting the regular flow of movement and commerce to confront the public with the terms of an inheritance, a forgotten episode from the past, as in this image, um, which is a play on Bhagat Singh, son of the soil Bhagat Singh, um, or a reminder of the glory of a certain tradition. In its ideal type, an egalitarian street theatre will be characterized by a density of local illusions, an emphasis on engagement with the audience and direct eye contact. Rather than establishing an authoritative account of uh, authoritative account or stable edifice, this is about prompting questions about the past and indeed destabilizing the constraints of the present. Um, for Kaiser Abbas, a member of the Lahore-based Punjab Lokres, who I interviewed a few years ago, his involvement in theater is specifically about getting rid of fears of talking and experiencing freedom. Street theater, in its ajitprop form, provides a space to negotiate this relationship between pasts presents, and possible futures without a clear foundation. Its radical potential is ensured by the uncertain nature of Pakistan's inheritance. Rather than trying to escape the vertigo, it takes advantage of the fluidity and multiplicity enabled by an unsettled past. For Karatani, the will to architecture is, nothing but an is, quote, nothing but an irrational choice to establish order and structure within a chaotic and manifold becoming. Street theater provides a different choice invested in the potential of this very potential of becoming. Whether or not street theater practice can really be described as a form of heritage um, is open for debate, but this is certainly the language deployed by street theater artists in Lahore, devoted to sustaining poetic traditions of resistance in Punjabi, for instance. This is something we can discuss. But to conclude swiftly, I want to argue that the consideration of historicity, the variant ways individuals and communities make sense of Pakistan's pasts, presence and futures, must be essential to an intellectual history in this context, not least because of the state's radical and unprecedented beginnings, which I mentioned, but also because the problem of inheritance continues to animate intellectual and political activity in the present. Um, one corollary of this conclusion is that the practice of intellectual history in this context might do well to ally with anthropological work on questions of time and historical consciousness, but this too is a provocation I look forward to discussing. Thank you. Thank you.